Well, hello, friends. It's so good to see your faces on the screen. How are you guys doing? Good. It's so it's it is really nice to be back here, see your face, and also to see Liz. Thanks for welcoming me, friends. It's really nice to be in this space with both of you. Yeah, I should mention that we have. So I, my name is Peter Choi, and I'm joined by Danielle Mayfield and Liz Lin, who, uh, and we're gonna have kind of a, a passing of the baton moment as we begin a new season of the podcast and a new season for the Faith and Justice Network. Um, and so, yeah, we're just gonna talk about the abrupt ending um, to the season last year. I know folks were wondering, like, what happened to the podcast? It just disappeared. <laughs> and so we'll talk about that. And then um, there is going to be a transition where Liz is going to be um, the primary co-host. And we'll get into more detail about that. Before we do that, why don't we just take a brief moment? Because we may have some new listeners, new, mm -hmm. new friends in the community. Let's take a brief moment to introduce ourselves. Um, and how about for this part, um, Liz, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Liz Lynn. My pronouns are she, her. I am coming to you from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, this will be, God, I have been part of Faith and Justice Network since 2016, I want to say, um, mm -hmm. which is wild to think about. So this will be my like seventh iteration, I think. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, it's an honor to be part of it. It's an honor to work with Peter on all of this. Um, and in the past, I have taught primarily the units around race and how race and racism have shaped the landscape of American cities. But this year, I'm moving into a bit of a different role, um, primarily here in the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to that. So good to have you um, with us for this part, but also for all the years behind us. It's been, it's been a pretty wild ride. It has been. <laughs> Is it my turn, Peter? Should yes. I go? Okay, so I'm Danielle Mayfield. I write as DL Mayfield, and I co-hosted this Faith and Justice Network podcast last year with Peter, and I got to interview really cool people about their spiritual practices and then you know discuss some of the readings with peter i have been a faith and justice fellow now i am co-leading a cohort with my husband crispin mayfield on um, people who are coming from a background of white evangelicalism and are looking to actively deconstruct that while we are also you know taking in new information so very excited about that cohort um but if I'm also being honest, like I'm, I'm coming out like so many of us, right? The past few years have been incredibly traumatic. And I feel mm. like thank you, Liz, for, you know, giving us all permission to, to call it what it is. Right. It's been a traumatic few years. Um, just politically with the pandemic, with being a caregiver. And I just sort of, you know, I am not able to do very much right now. And that's a little bit of what's happening with me needing to step back from the podcast. But honestly, I, I feel like this is great. It's great to have other people uh, step in and do it and have different voices and, you know, different perspectives. So I'm very excited about that. So that's a part of what we're just chatting about 
here this this episode is just some transitions but yeah uh, me and peter <laughs> did try and end the podcast well for the first season mm-hmm. um and then uh, technology got the best of us i don't know if you want to share about that peter yeah I, I thought we had recorded a pretty a pretty good session maybe maybe our best episode of the a season great wrap up <laughs> we were so profound weren't we oh it was oh so fun well, i had a lot of fun and i thought we covered some a lot of really good ground and then uh-huh. to my um just uh incredible disappointment um the recording failed so we weren't <laughs> able to we weren't able to post that and then we also had just sort of stuff come up and then we were mm-hmm. trying to schedule a time to um, to re-record and then things came up. We actually had a plan for it and then that fell through. And so it just felt like one thing after another. Mm-hmm. We had some health stuff come up for both of us. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were off and running into the summer. So our apologies to you listeners who were kind of looking forward to that, um, rounding out the season in that episode. Um, we tried multiple times mm-hmm. and failed. Mm-hmm. We did, yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, as we were talking a little bit over the course of the summer about what, what the podcast would look like going forward, it was hard to imagine doing this without you, Danielle. Um, and at the same time, you did such a great job sort of opening the table to inviting other voices. And you had some amazing guests last year. And so you kind of normalized having multiple voices, which is one of the things I really appreciate about you. And then just um, the opportunity to kind of pick up where we're, where we left off last spring with Liz is I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. Liz and I go way back to her undergrad years. And so it'll be a lot of fun to, to do this work um, as we enter a new season. That's sort of the, the explanation um, of what happened. Uh, and then um, maybe we can talk a little bit about sort of as we look ahead. Uh, both of us, or both of you, if you wouldn't mind talking about what's ahead for you, Liz, uh, maybe we can start with Danielle this time about what's what's um, what's ahead for you in this next season, and then Liz can talk about, and I can chime in on that part too about sort of what we're thinking about for the podcast in this new season. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I just really quickly wanted to get on here and say that. Um, I'm in a just like a huge transitional period in my life and part of what was happening over the summer was just with my family and some complex things going on with my own mental health. It's become apparent that I have to kind of reassess the way I engage in the world and specifically being sort of like um, a public person. You know, I've been writing, I've been doing freelance Christian writing for white evangelicals for Mm -hmm. the past 10 years in the United States. And so I think even if you just take a step back mm-hmm. and think about that, uh, and my aim has always been to be like, hey, hey, don't we say that we want to learn how to love our neighbor? Well, I think we're doing a kind of a bad job at that. Like, how can we do better? So think about having that kind of an aim, writing to white evangelicals. Um, and I am a mess currently. Like, mm. I'm just a mess. And... I have a really hard time envisioning a a path forward where I have the energy and like the mental health to engage well in sort of like public discourse about some of these issues. And Mm -hmm. so um, for the first time ever, I'm just like learning to take my own, um, like my body seriously, you know, like uh, 
even in the past year, like podcasts were sort of like the last thing that didn't stress me out too much. And then mm-hmm. they started to really cause me severe anxiety as well. And so um, there's just a hidden cost to some of these things that if, if you don't have an anxiety disorder, you probably don't know um, what can happen, right? If you mm-hmm. push through this enough and I'm happy that you don't know, but if you do know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm just learning to take, my own anxiety and my overwhelm and and some of like the past traumas you know of trying to get my people um seriously and so I just love that Peter was like no hesitation you know I just want to shout you out Peter you were just like please take a year off like don't do anything Mm -hmm. don't do anything please Mm -hmm. and just that level of care I feel I was shocked by, um, again, I'm coming from a background of white evangelicalism, which is like you push through everything, Mm. um, for the greater good. And, and I also see that in some activist spaces too, which I'm, I'm also really drawn to is just, um, if you're fighting for justice, right, you must push through everything and because the cause is so important. And, and I'm just like, that's how I've lived my whole life. And I'm so drawn to that. And at the same time, I'm like, I want to be alive. I mean, that's really the depths of where it's gotten for me is not wanting to be alive anymore. And so I'm just learning, like, I have to take this seriously. Um, you know, growing up in white evangelicalism, I was really taught to deny my own agency and my own autonomy, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not trust my feelings, not trust mm-hmm. my body, only trust what the white man told me to believe, literally, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. And that would have made me a really great Christian in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really been horrible for my own mental health and for being in touch with with myself and so mm-hmm. I'm on that journey and mm-hmm. I know I'm probably not the only one if you come from a background of um, a high control religious environment you know where they they really do need you to sort of learn how to deny your own body um, mm-hmm. to be a good member of that community so there's all that and I'm just really happy that Peter was like please take the time you need um and I'm actually excited. Like I am one of the few things I'm doing is, you know, co-leading this cohort with Crispin and my husband's an amazing therapist, trauma informed, really good at group dynamics. So he's doing most of the work and I just get to like be a mess and process things with people. And that's really, really nice. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of, it feels like a good space for me to be in. I also have a book coming out on Dorothy day, which is very complicated for me personally, because Dorothy Day is like this amazing activist figure. Um, she's one of my special interests, but I'm really struggling um, with like how to be a public person and talk about the book and not get sucked into these worlds, like the world of like media and what you need to write in order to like get an op-ed. And also the people who really want to talk to me about Dorothy Day are people who are either, you know, Catholic and are very much into using people like Dorothy Day as a way to say like and this is why the Catholic Church is the best thing ever or mm-hmm. people like how I used to be which is like I'm I really want to know how to be a good white Christian and I'm just like okay these are things I actually don't feel like talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore um uh, so it's 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 an interesting time in my life yeah. if I'm just being perfectly honest which I am mm-hmm. being right now so 
Well, yeah. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate your honesty so much, your transparency, um, the ways in which you are normalizing, talking about the fact that, you know, we are voices, some of us, voices that are kind of speaking out into the void and into the world, but also we are embodied persons. And along with that comes lots of struggles, which are yeah. very real and need to be taken seriously. So many of us, I know for me too, um, growing up the way that I did, uh, push is the only mode of operation yeah, yeah, that yeah, we are yeah. familiar with. And so learning to step away from that is really important. And also, I'm really excited for you to engage in different ways. I mean, my goodness, your book is going to be a tremendous contribution to the conversations about Dorothy Day and how we do biography, how we talk about uh, famous figures, celebrity figures. I'm really excited for the rest, rest of the world to, to read this book and to be challenged by it. So thank you I for wish, all that you've been doing and all that you are going to do. I wish everyone was like you, Peter, because I like that's one of the things I do have energy for. I'd love to talk about just yeah. the, the idea of like biographies of religious figures and what mm. they mean and what they've mm. meant throughout history and how we utilize them and all that. But that's not really what people want to talk to me about. You are you are like that. <laughs> Well, I think like it or not, that conversation is coming because your book sort of forces us to wrestle with those questions. Yeah. 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 I really just to like second what Peter just said, I really appreciate your honesty about like where you are right now and just how well you've named and articulated like the forces that have brought you to this place and that have made it hard for you or impossible for you to stop. Like, I think that so many people can relate to that who come from white evangelical backgrounds, but also like me, a child of immigrants. The only thing I know how to do is to like barrel ahead. So I just like really appreciate you naming all of that. I appreciate you giving yourself the permission to to, to stop and also Peter for giving you that permission structure as well because that makes such a big difference um, and like as somebody who has also written on the internet like it is such a toxic cesspool for anybody mm-hmm. but for somebody who's writing specifically about and to white evangelicals in this political and religious landscape like holy shit just light yourself on fire like I just I cannot imagine how stressful that must be also you're a woman which you know, uh, adds its own layer of misogynist um, nonsense. So I'm really sorry that you have had to bear all of that for the last 10 years. And I just can't imagine how toxic it's become. And like, I can also only imagine how hard it is to do this like delicate balance of like, I need to promote a book, but I also like don't want to be on this platform in this way anymore. And like, how do you do both? I don't know how people do both. I mean, it's so wild because, like, publishers, um, you know, all these people, they'll never tell you to take a step back, right? They'll never encourage you to get off the machine. And um, that's why it is so refreshing to have spaces like this with Peter and the Faith and Justice Network where it's like, this is going to be an integral part of us moving forward in faith and in finding religious community is we will have to take this all seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I view that as a really important part of if we do come from these backgrounds, right, where we don't have that much autonomy or agency, like creating these little enclaves, right, where we can just spend some time with what do we actually think about this? Not mm-hmm. what does everybody else think? How do I have to say this in a way that'll get 
the people to listen to me and believe me and cut through all the propaganda you know what do I actually think and feel about these deep questions of faith and God Mm -hmm. like at this moment in history I think that's so important like and so powerful um and we I mean I love the internet don't get me wrong it's been amazing and I, I also think creating these little pockets inside of it for us to develop our own autonomy and agency when it comes to these these issues I think is is really important it's really important Mm -hmm. work yeah I love that and I love how you created the perfect opening for the transition to Liz talking about sort of what she's thinking about uh what she hopes to um to do with the podcast and also what the next year is going to look like uh overall for our community um yeah, so um, Peter and I have talked about the next year, just like using the podcast as an opportunity to have kind of like a public conversation about the subject matter at hand and really to kind of like maybe do some of the wrestling that you're talking about, Danielle, mm-hmm. um, in like a somewhat public forum, not for the sake of like performance, but just so to like Mm -hmm. let people in on our process and like the fact that like we are asking very hard questions ourselves, um, questions that I think would make a lot of everyday evangelicals uncomfortable. Um, But you know, these are questions that we need to pay attention to and the more uncomfortable a question makes you like that, that's like probably a good sign that like you need to be leading into it some more. So um, yeah, so we're going to be doing some unpacking on this podcast, like asking hard questions and also giving folks who are listening the opportunity to participate by continuing these discussions online on our online platform afterwards. So um, these two things will go hand in hand, like Peter and I will have these kind of public discussions and then folks can share their reactions, their own reactions to the material online and we'll be facilitating more discussions there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the values of, of doing this conversation on an ongoing basis is we have such a diverse community at the same time kind of organized or convening around some shared questions and concerns about the world and especially about the ways that Christian faith has interacted um, with the challenges um, of the world. And so we are a di- really diverse community uh, from all over the U.S., across Across the world, we have participants uh, from different, several different continents. We are, many of us are post-evangelicals or still find ourselves in that world, but asking and wrestling with really hard questions. We also have many mainline folks, people in uh, denominations like the Lutheran Church, the, the Methodist Church, the, the Presbyterian Church, and so the Episcopal Church. And so I think having the, the conversation in a way that is open to the ecumenical, the interdenominational, the, the very diverse perspectives that we have is going to be challenging, but also it is ongoing work. And I think the common bond that, sh- that kind of ties people together or why people show up is we are people thinking about faith in, in really thoughtful ways, in ways that we were told that we couldn't, um, asking questions that we thought were off limits. Um, and some of us maybe even on the on the way out and so have one foot out um, in terms of the world of organized or institutional religion. And so for all these reasons, I think um, the ongoing conversation is going to be great. And then we're going to be learning from cohorts like Danielle's and Crispin's who are doing the work in much more specific and focused ways. And so I'm sure there will be opportunities for uh, for continuing to um, kind of connect the dots as we go. 
All right. Well, one of the other things that we wanted to talk about a little bit is both reflecting back and also thinking about kind of our present moment and what's ahead, who we are. And I, I, I gave some details around that, but we really are a community of folks who are learning. Um, and we're also a community that's trying to practice uh, welcome, hospitality, and belonging together. And so uh, maybe we can just spend a little bit of time talking about that, talking about sort of who we are and um, as a community and, and who we, we think we are becoming. Um, any thoughts along those lines? Yeah. Is, is it okay if I just make an observation? Like, Peter, yeah. when you were sort of describing, like, where people who are part of the Faith in Justice Network are kind of coming from, at the very end you said, like, and people who are on their way out and people who maybe mm. are done with organized or institutionalized religion and when you said that it actually really made me feel good because I think so often in some of these conversations there's still a lot of that like yes you can deconstruct a lot you could be progressive you can learn from diverse voices um, but you're still Christian right Jesus is everything right yeah. and, and there's that pressure and in order to have a truly like inclusive community mm -hmm. i think we have to make space for people being just absolutely done so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with christianity um mm. and so i just and, and i wouldn't have thought that a few years ago and now i think that's really important to be able to say there's there's room for people who are who are done but also still want to have conversations like this has been i'm almost 40 you know it's it's been so many decades of my life I've had the framework of Christianity to have what I would now say are um, sort of existential conversations, right? About mm. the meaning of life, how society's structured, what's our role in it, you know, what's the meaning of life. And that desire is not going to go away for me. Like, I'm always going to have that desire. But, you know, there might be periods of my life where I desperately need to take a break from thinking about those things through a framework of religion mm. and I'm just like I'm just so excited that this could be a space where that is possible for people and there's not the internalized unspoken or spoken pressure to mm. say but you're still a Christian right yeah. um, because we'll only listen to you or you're only welcome if you're one of us and I'm just like yeah mm. that's not really how this is you know that's right. Yeah. It's much bigger than that. So I just, thanks for saying that, Peter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I find a lot of people don't go to that last place when they're talking yes. about uh, their, you know, progressive, whatever you want to call it, Christian spaces. So One of the really beautiful questions I heard recently was, hey, I'm not a Christian anymore, but I love what you're doing. Can I still be part of it? And the that is amazing. Network. And I was like, yes. of course, of I course, that's the highest you are praise. welcome. I mm -hmm. love yeah that so much mm -hmm. i mean yeah. people yeah. are leaving christianity in droves how can we not mm -hmm. think this is not going to be happening to some of us yeah. you know what i mean like to so many of us and, and just to say like we still have this desire to connect with people it's mm -hmm. still going to be part of our backgrounds it's going to be a part of our communities it's you know <laughs> like it or not right white evangelicalism is still making so many news headlines like it's always going to be a part of our life but we don't have to say we believe these certain things in order to have conversations about it and that's so important to me so yeah. i just love mm -hmm. that we're creating that space yeah 
I feel the same way, Danielle. Like I, I really appreciate Peter that you you just like again gave that permission structure because I think it's really hard for us to have honest conversations about faith and where we are in the journey unless we allow for the possibility that like this might not fit anymore. Because if we're constantly trying to like squeeze ourselves into this mold of Christian, then it really like limits some of the places that we can go. And Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, like if we want faith that is authentic and honest and true to where we are at this point in our lives, like we have to allow for that possibility. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate you naming that, Peter. And, like, to be completely honest, I appreciate you naming that as somebody who regularly wonders, like, am I, like, where, mm-hmm. am I in, am I out? Like, and even mm-hmm. the in and out language is, like, such an evangelical binary from yeah. my past. But, like, where yeah. am I in this? Like, does this label fit me anymore? What here do I want to keep and what do I not want to keep? So, yeah. Um, and especially when, like, you know, the common conception of Christianity is something that I absolutely do not want to be affiliated with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I just like really appreciate the permission that you've named, but also I've always, I've, I've felt throughout my time in, in this, you know, in this or in this community that it's okay to ask like really hard questions and it's okay to be very honest about where we are. Yeah. So um, I hope that that like that kind of sets the tone for us going forward. Like mm. everything's on the table. We're going to ask. We're going to question everything yes. here and see what fits and what doesn't anymore. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate what both of you are saying. The one area of discomfort is it's it's not it's not for me to give permission. Right. It's like it's already there. And, and I think it's already happening. And so. There's there's no part of this where I where I feel like um, that's necessary, but it's such a privilege to be in relationship with people and to be in a community where this kind of probing examination, this relentless um, questioning of the way that things have been inherited, passed down to us, are being interrogated. I just love that because I think it's so important not just for my sake, but for the sake of, you know, I have kids and so my children and for, for our world to, to be asking these questions in, in fresh and new and um, ways that are just, you know, with eyes wide open. Um, and so another part of this that I think is important, really important to our community is that we are a community of learning. Uh, and I thought it would be really uh, helpful to talk about the ways in which that's been happening and the ways that we hope it will continue to happen. Um, how are we experiencing that part of our community's identity? I feel I feel like I'm talking too much, so I'm sorry. But I have to, I just want to say something really quick. Um, so again, I grew up in white evangelicalism, like really deep, really deep. And I was homeschooled. I was not told to go to college. Right? There's distrust of like higher education. Um, you know, I was told to just be a missionary. Right? That's what intense young women did right um and i just when i went through the faith and justice fellowship program with you peter like you really encouraged me in like an academic way that i had not really gotten before and i was able to engage like on a level on an intellectual level that i had not been a part of my life i eventually did go to bible college right in my past but again Brian McLaren talks about this sort of like constricted intellectualism of white evangelicalism where like you're allowed to let your brain 
think through only certain texts or certain books or in certain areas. And that was my whole life. However, I didn't know it was so constricted. Um, and so I feel like being a part of the Faith and Justice Network and, and actually the really rigorous intellectualism you encouraged it's like a huge step in my own journey of saying I want to learn like I want to I want to dive into this I want to treat the authors like with so much respect I want to read all the footnotes I want to follow all the rabbit trails I want to you know like a fire hose just give it to me you know just give it and so I just feel like the you and, he, and he, here's the thing you can engage on whatever level you want to with some of these curriculum you know some of the readings some of the speakers um but the option there is there for you to be extremely like rigorous and like engage on a level that is not encouraged in my background mm. so i just want to put a huge plug for you just um you really encouraged me and you really encouraged um, what I would call like expansive intellectualism for me. And you're one of the few mm. people in my life that ever did that. So I know mm. I'm coming from kind of an extreme background, Aww. but again, I'm like, I know I'm not the only one. So this, I don't know. I think this is such an important part to this community. Mm. I love hearing that Danielle, because my, ex I come from like a, a very different angle at this, but like, I think mm. that my experience, like the things that I appreciate about this, community are also related to like the the things that I didn't have in my own upbringing like um I was always taught that like education was an extremely individualized pursuit it was just me and my books um and group projects anything in a group was bad because it meant that I ended up doing all the work for it so avoid the group as much as possible um education is just about me and my journey right which is actually kind of also how I was encouraged to think about faith, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, what I really appreciate about this community is that learning is done in community. And so much of the learning comes from discussions with your peers about how you're experiencing the text and how you know the things that you're seeing, the things that your specific lenses are revealing to you, which might not be the same as you know somebody else's lenses and so on. So. I think this idea of like being on this journey together, especially as, you know, like you said, Danielle, like these texts are serious. They are no joke. Like very intellectual people struggle with many of these texts. And so like um, the fact that we are able to learn together and learn from each other's experience is, is kind of like the cornerstone of this. And I, I just appreciate that so much. This idea of like learning in community, um, collective and communal and like together building a new understanding, especially as so many of us are on a process of deconstruction. So like, you know, mm -hmm. as we're all kind of trying to figure out what, what we're replacing the old thing with, it's really meaningful to be able to do that together. That's great. Now I'll just list some of the uh, some of the bullet points um, that I think uh, have been really helpful to this experience, this commitment to learning. So, like we try to engage scholars who are on the leading edge of research and writing about topics that are um, that are really important for uh, for our time. We've had pastors and ministry leaders who are guiding their churches through turbulent change. 
we've had artists and, and makers doing beautiful and dazzling work in the world. And then we've also had activists and organizers who are concretizing uh, the work of justice in really specific ways in, uh, in their local contexts. And then um, maybe a story, like I just heard in the past week, I, wanted, I was really excited to share this with both of you and with our audience, um, heard from two former participants who um, have both started a theology program this fall and um, got notes from them about how excited they were, but also how uh, their participation prepared them. And so that was amazing because I think these are two individuals, two women who would never have thought about uh, theological education, formal theological education, uh, a number of years ago. So the learning is happening, and it happens at different levels, like like both of you said. And so you don't need to be intimidated, but there are opportunities to engage um, as you feel led. Uh, so that's great. And then another part of our, um, I think the thing that we're trying to do is to create a space for belonging. And this is, again, it's one of those tricky things because who am I to say to somebody else, you belong? Like they already do. It's not, it's not for me to say that. Uh, but to experience that belongingness together in community as we're wrestling with these really hard, profound um, questions can be a, a life-changing thing. And so I would love to hear both of you talk about sort of what that's been like and what your hopes are for that in the coming year. I think the journey of deconstructing and asking these hard questions can be incredibly lonely and it often makes you different from the faith community that you're a part of, where it can seem like no one else is asking the same questions or where you might be shunned or side-eyed for asking these questions. So um, I think finding spaces like where you're, where you're among like-minded people and where it's safe to ask these questions is really important. And that's one of the good things about the internet. We talked about it being a toxic cesspool earlier, but the good thing is that like it makes it possible for you to connect with people who are in the same place as you, um, who you might not encounter in your real life. So... That's something that I've always appreciated about this community too, where and I and I hear that in the students um, from the students that you know that we've worked with every year, um, that it's a place where they feel so much less alone as they ask these hard questions, where there's other people like them who are you know wrestling with similar things, and it gives them a sense of belonging and community um, where they previously didn't have it. So. Yeah, I really, I think, and I think spaces like this are incredibly rare. Like there are just not that many like progressive Christian spaces to have conversations like this. Certainly not ones that are as diverse as this one. Um, so I think that's something that really sets this community apart. Mm -hmm. And I just want to add that Liz, Liz, a student, because she's been a professor in the academic track. And so not everyone who participates has to be a student doing the work for academic oh, credit. Yes. But that's been, it, I mean, it's <laughs> been amazing to have you as a teacher, right? As someone who has the scholarship and the expertise to, to be able to teach in that way too. So that's been, that's been a joy. Yeah, I, I wanna do that soon. Um, I wanna pursue some more academic stuff. Um, I, just, I just wanna say really quick that, and I, and I wanna say this, you know, like respectfully, but also, uh, like, I feel like so many of us are struggling and 
are dealing with the past few years have tons of trauma, are easily triggered, um, and just because it's a progressive space doesn't mean it is safe, you know? It doesn't mean it always feels safe um, in our bodies when we're having these really intense discussions about really intense topics, and I have felt that in this space, mm. and I think mm-hmm. other people have too. Um, I I think that, Peter, you know, you and I have had discussions about this, and we would love to hear more feedback, and we'd love to keep learning how mm. to truly make this a less triggering space and, and prioritizing obviously um, people who do come from marginalized and oppressed backgrounds right to mm. prioritize their safety and 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 ability to feel like this is a place where they can show up um, to that end I mean that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about this deconstructing white evangelicalism cohort it's like yeah mm. I how could it not be triggering for people of mm. color to hear white people process all the time like it's exhausting <laughs> it's exhausting and so I think it's great to have these affinity groups I think that's mm-hmm. going to go a long way towards helping people be able to feel safe in their bodies as yeah. we have these discussions so I'm just really on a journey of learning um you, you know being ashamed of being triggered doesn't help you um mm-hmm. Hmm. And when you're triggered, you can't process new information. You can't learn. You can't grow. You can't heal. And so for me and for a lot of other people, it's it's like it goes hand in hand with hmm. learning new information is like learning to take care of your emotions. And hmm. um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of progressive spaces where uh, that is not a priority. And I just don't see that going anywhere good. Um hmm when you don't take care of your triggered nervous system. So uh, that's kind of on my mind. I'm sorry, Peter, if that was mm. a little too intense to say, but um, I just I'm like, so I want to pretend that it. everything's okay. Cause I don't think everything's okay. Almost yeah. anywhere when you're trying to yeah. have intense conversations right now. Um, that's just yeah. how I feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to keep learning and we want to um, just honor how hard it can be to show up right now in any space really so mm-hmm. yeah i'm so glad you said it because when i when i was brainstorming like what does it mean for us to create or cultivate a space for belonging one of the things that, that i wrote down was um a safe space to create a safe space and i crossed it out because my experience tells me in part thankfully because of conversations with people like you and others it hasn't been a safe place it's actually been a place where some really hard things have been surfaced and we haven't really had the means or the wherewithal to even deal with some of those things that ha- that we uh, really intentionally uh, work to surface, to, to bring up. And so uh, we've made some mistakes. And I think as I think about this, I don't think like without glossing over the mistakes, I think those are the kinds of things that will continue to happen. And this is the beauty of doing the work in community. Community is always going to be, you know, and again, that sounds flippant or like I'm trying to make an excuse for the way that things are going to be. But that you know, community is messy, and it's the work of doing and learning together from one another. For me, to, the importance of practicing humility to, to think, I could be wrong about this, or I have blind spots here, and I, I, and I desperately need to listen and learn from the perspective of another. Uh, I'm still learning that, and so um, it's going to be a bumpy ride at points, um, I think, but also rightly so. And um, I think that's sort of 
that's par for the course, but still really hard, right? Still really hard. It's hard everywhere. I mean, I don't know if if you both are involved in other like online spaces um, or trying to do anything, like even in your local church, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's a hard time. We're all, I feel like I'm a baby again, like learning how to be a human again. I don't know. <laughs> I just keep telling my husband, like, I feel like I'm a baby. I just bought this book, this workbook for kids called what to do when the news scares you. And it's like mm. for you to go through with your kid to learn about like, how to process like scary news stories Mm. and I was like I need this I never Mm. learned this I'm terrified by the news like Mm. multiple times a day and so I'm just like yes I'm a baby in so many things and we can learn together how to process Mm -hmm. living in such an overwhelming time and we can do it together and it will help like so I I'm very much committed to that I think there's such good things but a lot of us especially after the pandemic we're like how do we be a person yeah. <laughs> in community um, yeah. talking about faith you know like how do we do this there's a lot of overwhelm and then at the same time i think just as i look at the screen and a sense of um a sense of reassurance that doing this work in community is not going to always lead us to the right answers or solutions but it will it will provide i think companions for the journey hmm. and people with whom we can process yeah. uh things that are coming at us so quickly and so um in such bewildering fashion yeah Yeah. i'll say i mean we hadn't planned on talking about the reading i'll just mention one thing though uh so for this month we're working through kirsten powers book um she's the cnn political analyst she wrote a book a beautiful book called saving grace and um I think one of the things that that surfaces for a community like ours is lots of people will say, I can't relate to her experience and I'm not like her Mm. in so many different ways. And so um, why do I have to read a book like this? And I think part of the thing that part of the answer I've been offering in different conversations is to say none of the books that we read over the course of the coming year are books that we that I expect that we expect to have wholesale agreement around. Mm -hmm. In fact, all of these books are written by very specific persons who are speaking out of, even even when they're scholars, um, even when they're, you know, world-class historians, they're they're speaking out of, working out of their uh, social location. And they're always gonna have blind spots. And so to be able to talk through, so we we asked Kirsten this question, like what do you think, some of these things about drawing boundaries with your family, that looks different and has different implications for people who are from more communal um, cultures. And there are things that she says in her book that I can't imagine saying to my parents. And so what does that look like? And so it was really, uh, really refreshing to hear her say, that's a good and hard question. I have to think about it, right? Uh, and I think that's part of the work that we're trying to do together is to say, we're gonna be, um, in- we're gonna be encountering questions that we didn't think about ourselves. Um, but they're going to be important for us to to wrestle with together in community. I, I guess I'm just really glad that you mentioned just keeping, you know, the author's, you know, social location in mind as we read, because I um, am struggling a bit with the Kristen Powers book just because I, I do come from a background of dualistic thinking and I feel like mm. it's it's triggered like a thousand times every chapter. Um, and so I, that's just my own stuff but then I am pretty excited to read like Mark Knoll's book but it's a good reminder like 
Mark Knoll has a very specific, you know, social location that he's coming from as this renowned historian. And so um, I just think that's a really good reminder that all of these people are just people, like just like we are. And they are just, you know what? That's the other thing about this community. Not everybody wants to talk about these things. And so when you Mm -hmm. find people who do, like, it's kind of special. It's special to be in a community that just wants to discuss any of these topics. Um, And so I feel a lot of gratitude for that. But just recognizing, like, I know myself and I'm just a person trying to figure it out. And I've written books and it's terrifying, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that anybody would read them and think I have the answers to anything. But that's just how these authors are as well and so keeping that in mind i think that's really helpful peter well one uh one other really concrete sort of example of how we try to practice uh being a community where belonging happens is uh, we have these gatherings and so our next one's going to be in denver um october 7th through 9th and so this is just a, uh, one more way of announcing that event. If anyone listening is interested in joining us in person, uh, Cole Arthur Riley, the author of the book we're reading next month, This Year Flesh, is going to be with us in the flesh in Denver. And then uh, Julie Rogers will also um, be present with us. Uh, but you too, uh, dear listener, can be part of that gathering. So we'd love to see you if you um, are able to make it. Um, well, Danielle, thank you for the service um, that you've rendered our community with um, your reflections, your presence, um, even when it was really hard for you. I know, I know there were so many points where, you know, it, it just didn't make sense uh, for you to try to show up and, and have polished answers to, um, to really hard questions. And the beauty of last year was you showed up in the glory of who you were in that moment, that particular morning. And we had a lot of fun uh, hashing things out. Um, So thank you for all the ways that you um, did that work, but also the work that you're going to do in a different way in the coming year. And then Liz, it's going to be so much fun uh, getting to dive deep into uh, the topics, the conversations. And I'm really looking forward to uh, spending some time with you each month uh, around these um, around these questions. Likewise. Thank you for inviting me to do it. And thank you, Danielle, for the foundation that you created for us to keep having these conversations. So it's an honor to be part of it. I'm so excited to listen along as you guys process some of this curriculum. I'm just very excited. So thanks for doing this.